Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Graham Clark, who's the CEO of Emerson or Emerson PLC, who are a potash development company focused on the development of their Kimiset uh, potash project in northern uh, Morocco. Uh, Graham is a senior executive with over 30 years experience um, in potash and polyhalite. Um, so he's someone who understands the industry inside out. And I'm interested and I'll guess, I guess the uh, audience are to sort of learn, learn more about the podcast industry. So I want to welcome Graham on, on the podcast. So how are you doing, Graham? I'm good. Good, Rob. Nice to, nice to see you. Yeah, and nice, to, nice for you to take up your time as well to um, tell us a little bit more about the podcast industry. So first of all, just want to wonder if you can um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, about your background. Um, obviously, you have a long history uh, and career in the potash industry. So I just wonder if you can just take us through that journey. Uh, yes, right. So I, I um, graduated as a mining engineer um, quite a long time ago now, uh, back in the 80s. Um, and my first role, I, I joined Cleveland Potash, uh, which is the only potash mine in the UK. Um, and now one of the few actual mines left in the UK. I joined as a, as a graduate trainee and spent a number of years underground as a miner doing every job underground, you know, shoveling under conveyor belts, operating the mine equipment, uh, shot firing, um, then moved on to be a supervisor underground doing every role, shift manager, and ultimately I was the uh, production manager for, uh, for the underground mine, um, and then stepped up as mine manager, and ultimately I spent seven years as money, managing director there, you know, running the whole business. But, Really good training because I actually I've, I did the jobs. I've, I've done every role underground, so really good understanding of that. Um, and had some great times with the guys because, you know, banter with the, the guys is actually um, what makes the job the most enjoyable thing. So I moved from Cleveland to um, join the Serious Minerals Project um, and spent eight years there. Um, and basically I joined, it was a, a crazy vision. Um, of developing a huge mine in the National Park uh, up here in North Yorkshire. Um, but, you know, played an integral part there in taking that project through to, to construction. And I left there um, at the beginning of last year and, and took, took a bit of a break uh, before I joined the, the Emerson project. So good understanding of, of, of potash and, and the operational aspects of that and the market and how that works. Um, and then obviously, a, you know, great experience uh, developing a, a project from, from the very beginning and, and getting through the planning process, all of the design, uh, early sales and marketing, raising funds, and then actually uh, starting to build it. So, yeah, it's been a very and interesting. That, and that's where you are today. So um, yeah. I wondered if you can give us an overview of the uh, potash industry. Um, I mean, in terms of what potash is used for. Um, how it's produced so, and sort of current market conditions. Okay, so 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 every plant, no matter where it is in the world, um, needs six macronutrients, so six major nutrients to actually get it to grow. And that's phosphorus, nitrogen, potassium, um, sulfur, magnesium, and calcium. So 
typically the sort of three main sort of focus focus on the three main nutrients is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, NPK, using their chemical symbols. And anybody that's growing anything in the greenhouse or the garden, if they buy some fertilizer, it will have nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in it. So potash provides the, the potassium, um, and that is mined. It is actually quite a, a well-controlled sort of market because there's eight or nine really big players that account for the vast majority, probably around 90% of the production. Really big producers are in Canada and, and Russia. And then there's um, you know, producers in Spain, Israel from the, from the Dead Sea. Um, so it's, you know, it's a fairly, there's fairly few um, producers, big producers that control the market. There's around uh, 80 million tons of, of potash, either potassium chloride or potassium sulfate, uh, sold every year into the fertilizer market. And, and typically it's, it's sold to fertilizer producers who then combine it with the other nutrients, you know, to produce the sort of NPKs, which are applied on, on every crop, you know, around the world. So you know, that's, you know, that's the market. It's fundamentally with growing populations, less arable land, agricultural land available in the world. You know, we globally have to produce 60% more food than we're producing today by 2050 just to feed the world's population. And, and food security is a major issue for a, for a lot of governments, particularly those with you know, really fast increasing populations. So there will always be a need for fertilizer. There'll always be an increasing need for fertilizer. And um, potash is just one of those, those nutrients that feeds into the, the fertilizer production. Yeah. And how have you seen the industry change since you got, got into the industry 20, 25 plus years ago? How have you, has the industry changed much? Have you seen much change from, from back then to sort of to now? No, I think that certainly in terms of potash, um, you know, there are still the same sort of few major producers who, who have, con who, who do control the market quite well. You know, they, they meet the demand, you know, through their supply. Um, it's one of those, it's commodity, yes, but it, it doesn't sort of experience the same boom or bust as other commodities because there's a, a very steady requirement for, for the product. Uh, and that increases two to 3% every year. And it, and it can, it's going to continue to do that. So it's a fairly stable, uh, stable world, the potash world um, with the same sort of key players. A lot of the producers are now, integrated fertilizer producers so that's something that that has changed um you know they've absorbed other other fertilizer plants around, around the world and you know so they really do they they produce the potash but they also produce the mpk fertilizers typically okay um obviously you've worked as i mentioned you've worked in the potash industry for most of your career um and you're credited with completing the technical and operational elements of the the woodsmith mine uh, for serious minerals development um, ahead of its construction. Um, with that pedigree, what excited you about uh, Emerson um, and the uh, Chemiset project? Um, well, I, I, take, I took a, a break out um, at the beginning of last year, spent a bit of time with the family after too many years of not spending enough time with my family. Um, and I, I was looking for, for another role. I think, you know, if you're in mining, if you're a mining engineer, particularly if you're in the operational aspects of mining, your life is full of challenges and that's why you do it because if you if you weren't up for a challenge you you, you wouldn't be able to you know stick it out so I was looking for a, a new challenge um, and I had a conversation with Hayden Locke who's previous CEO of, of Emerson talked about the project the team spoke to some of the team and it, and it was great it's a, it's a it's a new challenge 
first potash mine in, in Africa, where there's a huge opportunity in, in terms of market. And there's going to be a vastly increasing need for the, for the product in Africa. Um, different country. I've spent a lot of my career in North Yorkshire, which is, is great. I'm a Lancastrian, but I've, I've managed to survive in Yorkshire for all of these years, in spite of that. Um, so it was, it was somewhere different. New challenge, a great group of people and an exciting project and, you know, deliver something. Um, and the stage the project was at, which was, you know, we need to get the funds in place and, and, and get cracking with construction. Uh, and the opportunity to to get a, a potash mine into operations, you know, was was really attracted me, and it's and I've really enjoyed every minute of it since I joined. Yeah, and obviously you've been in operations for most of your career, and then transferring now to sort of um, the bit uh, of the inception of a of a project. How, what challenges have you sort of faced, and how how's that transition been from obviously day to day, day to day putting out fires challenges to to where you are now well the i mean my early career at cleveland was that was all about um you know the, the operations and, and dealing with the issues as they came along more recently with the serious project um you know that was the you know the challenges of planning and and dealing with local authorities and all of those aspects so i've, I've sort of got a experience of both there um and i think the beauty with the emerson project is it's a it's smaller scale there's a lot of work being done by the team. You know, the feasibility study was was completed last year, so we're in the sort of latter stages of the of the development bit. So, you know, my recent experience plays very nicely into that. Um, and we've got, you know, with with other team members, we've got a very strong team in terms of the fundraising element. And I'm looking forward to getting into the construction and you know, I'm getting my hands dirty again. And you know, that's I suppose that's my more natural habitat. So I think that's what you're sort of saying. It's it's being out there, you know. Um, on the ground and, and and dealing with the issues that you, that you always come across and that's the enjoyment that's the fun of it actually yeah um i wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in the, the potash market um over the short and medium term well i think i mean the fundamentals are, are there there's going to be an increasing demand that you know that will continue um two to three percent a year um and the market is fairly stable always. We've, we're sort of coming out of a, a lower price cycle at the moment. Um, and that is, as, as typically as the case, is driven by crop prices. So when you see the, the prices for soybeans, wheat, corn going up, these are the sort of staple ingredients of everybody's diet. Um, you know, the potash price follows and, and that's what it's doing. So all of the, the forecasters are saying, you know, similar that the price is going to go up. Um, certainly to, you know, it's down in the sort of low $200 a tonne. It's now edging over 300 again, and will will probably be 350 to $400 a ton in the short to medium term, you know, with increasing demand. So we're a 750,000 ton project. So you know, we fit. We're a very very small portion of the market, and also only a small portion of the you know the gradual increase in demand. So you know, we'll sit very nicely in that. Yeah, um, and what's your sort of your impression of doing business in Morocco so far? Um, well, I haven't managed to spend time out there because of the, you know, the pandemic we're all dealing with. Um, but, you know, really positive. The, you know, the, the government in Morocco, very supportive of direct investment in the country. Agriculture is a large part of their economy, so they understand the, the potash angle. Um, and, you know, there are tax breaks once you, it, you're in mining and very low royalty rates. So they're very encouraging in general of, of development, and particularly in mining. 
In country, they've obviously got OCP, the world's largest phosphate producer. So they're producing the phosphorus element for fertilizers. So they understand mining, you know, um, very well. And they've worked very well with us, very supportive. We have a great team in Morocco who do all of the engagement, stakeholder engagement, talking to the authorities locally, regionally, and nationally. Um, and we've got a very good re relationship with them. So, you know, from that point of view, really good. But Morocco also has great infrastructure, great roads, power distribution network. You know, it, it is a really, really great jurisdiction to be looking to build a project. Yeah. Um, and obviously someone that's uh, a Yorkshireman, I suppose, through and through and been working there. What are some of the major differences you would say from Yorkshire and, and obviously working and living in Yorkshire to Morocco. And obviously you said you haven't mentioned, haven't spent uh, too much time out there, but what are some of the, some of major differences you see um, from working obviously there in the UK to, to over there? Um, well, I see, uh, you know, obviously there's language barriers, all, all the rest of it, local customs, you know, but you know, those are really important that you take, you take note, note of that aspect. But I, I think the you know the work ethic from from what I've picked up, people work very hard. The team we have in in Morocco are great. There, you know, we have some superstars out there. To be quite honest, um, and you know, when we're building a workforce, in my experience certainly Cleveland Potash um, farmers, you know, people from the local area, you know, converted into making great miners. You know, farmers are, are very hardworking people, and it's a similar you know the area that we're going to build a project is an agricultural area that will be local you know the aim is that we we use local local people uh, both in the construction and into operations and i you know i anticipate i'll it'll be very similar to to how it is up here in, in you know in rural north yorkshire there's a lot of hard-working people who value having employment and if there's good employment offered then you know they'll really go with it and, and they are very supportive of the project on that basis already so yeah. And what, what about the mining legislation in, in Morocco? And how how different is that to, say, UK mining legislation? Um, well, there are differences. I mean, we found it both in terms of the environmental um, aspects of the project and, and you know, the, the, the mining law. Um, it is a very well-structured country in terms of regulations and legislation. Um, I think probably helped by the French influence over the years. Um, so it's by no means, you know, they're not being left behind. It's, you know, it is, it is pretty strict. Um, we, we will go over and above whatever the bare minimum is. That's, that's the way we conduct our business. It's the way I've always worked. You know, you know, regulations, mining regulations, you know, they're the absolute minimum. You go above and beyond that. And, it, and in terms of certainly in operating and, and safety, health and safety, it's about a culture. It's not about following rules. It's about developing the right culture and the right approach. And that is a really important, you know, aspect of everything, you know, everything that we're doing. We, that's the approach we're going to take. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is your first CEO position. Um, what's your experience been over the last, obviously, over the last 10 months of being in the ballroom, um, as opposed to obviously being on the mine site, getting your boots dirty? Well, I've actually spent more time in our dining room at home than in the ballroom, <laughs> yeah. as it happens, um, which has probably annoyed my wife much more than uh, it's frustrated me being there. But um, what is different, I, I, you know, I think it's it's been strange times in general because, you know, we're all, all very detached. Um, I do, I have struggled a bit with that because I'm a, I like the interaction with people. That's 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 my comfort zone, um, but. We've managed okay, and I'd say there's a there's a good team around. The, the rest of the board are good, senior team, um, 
and we've you know it's it's been okay I, I can't wait to get out there and actually get started with the construction which is a great motivator to actually make sure we get the funding sorted as soon as possible so that we can actually get down to you know the construction and then uh, get this mine into operation and that's you know that's what we're all about that's my drive that's my you know motivation and my drive is to get to that point yeah and when are you envisaging uh, starting construction well we've we've got a target of early construction works at the end of this year i mean that's pretty aggressive but that's based on us being able to get um the funding in place and that's that's really driven by a, a strategic partner initially which we're, we're working on and we've got some very positive conversations ongoing at the moment um and that leads then into uh, getting the debt funding in place and you know we, we've got an advisor working on all of all of the the debt funding structure as well so we're, we're pulling all of the bits of the jigsaw together um and if we can you can, you can get that sorted in q3 then uh we're doing engineering design work we're doing some work on sites for ground investigation work sort of that feeds into all the detailed design so we, we put ourselves in a position that we can start early works end of the year and then with a two-year construction period uh, sort of end of 23, early 24, we'll be mining some potash. Okay. Uh, look forward to look forward to seeing that. Um, Emerson has, uh, obviously has achieved some key milestones over the last year. What are the the, the next steps? Um, obviously, you mentioned, obviously, um, construction later this year. Is there any other um, steps in between and, and after? Well, first thing we, I mean, we've got our mining license um, in February. We've got to get our environmental approvals, and, and we're working through that at the moment. And that, you know, that should come fairly soon. And then, really, it's getting the funding in place. You know, that is the real key to us, us making the significant progress. But as I said, we we raised some money at the um, at the end of March, um, and we're we're putting that to good use. So we've got, say, some site investigation work. We're going to do some drilling along the decline, uh, the two declines that, that will access the deposit so that we can de-risk that and do the detailed design. Um, so all of that work's ongoing um, and some engineering work. Um, so those are, you know, that's that's all happening in parallel to getting the, the money in place ready for construction. And then, you know, that's, we're away um, yeah. a couple of years and we're into operations. Yeah. Um, there's obviously been a huge amount of coverage over recent months um, about where beginning a, a new mining super cycle. Um, what do you think investors will look for, will look at, you know, obviously furthering the sort of copper, iron ore, gold sort of projects? Would that, why would they look at for exposure in potash? Um, well, I think it's the, it's the long-term stability. It's, you know, the other, the, the other commodities are boom and bust. And yes, you can invest and make some money. You can invest and lose a lot of money. Uh, potash is a very, very safe bet long term. All of the established potash operators, um, you know, trade at very high multiples, um, EVE, but there are multiples and very consistently. So if you're looking for a good, solid long term investment, you know, potash is stands out for that reason. Uh, and obviously, we're we're massively undervalued at the moment as, as a given our, our, you know, where we are in the development um, process. Um, and we get into operations, you know, we'll make amazing margins and returns. You know, it really is a good place to be. Potash isn't as glamorous as all of these other things, but one thing for certain is we all need to eat. We'll always need to eat. There will always be a need and an increasing need for potash. Um, so, you know, if people have a look and, and think it through, maybe not so glamorous, but it is a really sound investment. Yeah. Um, 
your mission at Emerson has been to do the right things in the right way. Um, do you think the mining industry still suffers from a, a PR problem? I think it, it does to some extent, and, and with good reason on occasion. But I, you know, I've in my career I've seen a, a massive change in in the mindset. Um, you know, when I worked at, at Cleveland before, it was owned by Anglo-American initially, and you know they take a, a very strict approach to how the, how they go about conducting their business now. And then it was under ICL, Israel Chemicals Limited ownership, who were very strong on on you know the environment and. Uh, the image of the company and the way that they behave. So I think it, it has changed a lot. Um, I think mining still gets, you know, bad reports, but you know, people should remember that everything in our lives is either grown or mined slash extracted. So we wouldn't have cars, phones, none of the stuff that everybody takes for granted, um, their luxuries in life. The vast majority of that comes because of mining. So it's actually an essential part of our life. So um, that doesn't excuse bad behaviour in terms of mining companies, but it, you know, it should let, make sure people actually understand that it's, it's necessary. We have to do it in the right way, which is, you know, that's our message. We do it in the right way. But, you know, it's essential to, for us to have everything that we, we all like and, and take for granted a lot of the time. Um, yeah. So I, we're getting, mining is much better than it was, absolutely, and it, and it will continue to get better. There's no question of that. But I think also people should understand how important mining is um, yeah. and give it a bit more credit at times. But that's yeah, my so, personal view. So. Yeah. I mean, this, this topic generally comes up with a lot of guests that I interview. Um, and if you look at, I suppose, if you look at the UK, mining isn't obviously is a, an industry that not many people are involved in. Um, and if you mention the word mining, they're curious. Oh, what do you mine? Um, whereas if you obviously speak about mining in Australia, it's their, uh, um, yeah. it's their main industry. Yeah. How do you think, say in the UK, how do you think the brand branding of mining can be better branded within the UK? I mean, do you have any thoughts about how people can be more aware of mining and what actually mining means to everyday life? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think to some extent, you know, the Serious Minerals project was sort of, you know, was bringing mining back and, and raised the profile and um, and doing it in a in the right way in terms of sustainability. You know, that, that mine site will be invisible when it's developed. So, you know, you start to, if, if mining companies are doing things in the right way, then, you know, people can come on board with it. And, it, you know, that's been approved inside a national park and it's, you know, it's all the rest of it. It's, um, so I think there, are, you know, there's a need. It's it's the messaging of 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 companies involved. They need to get it right, and I think, you know, that that will change some people's views. There will always be people who will never change their views. Um, and the mining industry didn't do itself any favors, you know, during the demise of the coal industry. And you know, the way way that happened, it was, you know, it takes a while to recover from the sort of bad image that's created with things like that. Um, but, it, you know, I'm a, I'm a mining guy. I'm also a northerner. I'm very proud of, you know, the, the UK's industrial heritage. You know, people should remember, you know, we led the way in so many, in so many, you know, parts of industry, and a lot of it based on mining. That was the success of the UK. It's based on us doing stuff and creating things. And that's what we're good at doing. And, you know, mining is part of that. Um, and, it, you know, that's what creates the real wealth. And, you know, we were actually... 
we produce the best mining engineers globally. That's, you know, that was that knowledge that, you know, the best, the mining expertise came from the UK. And there's a lot of, you know, companies still very successfully supporting the mining industry. Maybe not in the UK so much, but but abroad. A lot of the equipment manufacturers, are, you know, there are, the skills are still here and we're still seen as being, you know, the best at doing this sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how we change people's mindsets, but other than by, you know, doing it, you know, doing it properly, respecting the environment, respecting people, um, and, and maybe that starts to change people's minds. Yeah. And how do you see the, the, the UK's mining industry moving forward? Obviously, there is, there is a lot, there is things, pockets of things happening, but mm. how do you see sort of the, a, a longer term future of the mining industry in the UK? Obviously, the governments, various governments around the world are um, putting all these big plans in place with obviously a green economy, automation. Is, is there a resurgence in mining in the UK, would you say? I, I don't think there will be in, in any significant way. No, there are going to be pockets, as you say, you know, the smaller operations will be there. Um, and, you know, I think that's, it's going to be similar to how it is. And, you know, it's not, it's not going to feature largely, I don't think, in, you know, in the UK. Uh, going forwards um you know there's still coal that could be mined but you know people aren't interested in coal um there's still a need for coal in certain you know industries and it'd be a lot better to produce it in the uk than import it from somewhere else but you know it's again that's a sort of a personal view it's you know we we can get carried away with the sort of you know green aspects of things at times without actually thinking the whole picture through you know what is the cost to you know the planet of transporting coal from somewhere else that isn't produced in a particularly efficient way when we maybe could produce, you know, what we need for iron and steel industry, you know, here in the UK, because it's, there is still coal available. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a probably a government led decision making process. Yeah, certainly. Um, and concluding, what's the uh, future and outlook for Emerson? And also, what's the, the future of the potash industry as you see it? Um, well, the potash industry is going to continue. Um, increasing demand, absolutely essential to, to produce it. Um, there will still be a, lot, a small number of large producers who, who dominate that market. But for Emerson, um, it was a great We're strategically located to access the African market. There's a market in Morocco, Morocco importing potash um, around the amount that we would produce annually. So it makes complete sense that the project, you know, would, would actually sell most of the product in, into the country uh, of Morocco. But that said, we're close to all of the major markets in Western Europe and, you know, the growing markets of Africa. So we just need to get our funding into place and, and we're away and it'll be a, a very successful business. Get a great part of the world. Yes, certainly. Um, well, I'll certainly be uh, watching you guys uh, um, on your journey. Um, really appreciate your time, uh, Graham, for um, yep. taking sure. the time to obviously tell us a little bit about um, Emerson. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you and if they've got any questions they may want um, answered, how can they go about doing that? Are you on any social media platform channels? Um, well, we have, you know, there's a, a contact email on, on the website. Um, I'd rather not give my personal 
yeah, contact no, I, 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 out, but, um, but I'm very happy if, if things are fed through from there, which I, I get all the time, and I'm very happy to answer any questions people may have. It's a pleasure to do that. Yeah, no worries. And we'll put your contact detail, not your personal chest, your contact yeah. details, a company's podcast anyway. So um, like I said, I really appreciate time and I'll give us a, an overview of the potash industry and obviously um, Emerson and what you're what you're looking to achieve. Um, hope you audience, hope you uh, enjoy listening to uh, um, Graham's um, story around potash and, and, and I suppose it's not a uh, a type of commodity or mineral that everyone speaks about on a daily basis, but I'm sure you've uh, taken a lot away from this. So appreciate if you can pass this uh, um, episode on to people, other people in the industry. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, appreciate if you can like uh, and share this as well. Um, so more people can have access to uh, this information. Um, so like I said, appreciate your time, Graham. Um, and the audience yeah. as well, appreciate you uh, for listening as well. So until next time, Happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.